Pastor. <laughs> I go by many names. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, everyone, for being here this morning. Uh, we are um, talking about Serve Sundays. We've kind of taken a break from the Sermon on the Mount series, but we'll pick that up uh, again next month. This month, we're talking each Sunday about how we can connect uh, with one another and connect with the church. And today, I'm going to be talking about how we connect with Christ and His power through serving one thing I want to share before that is just uh, basically a word from the Lord I, I received yesterday. I just stopped by. It was about 7 or 8 o'clock at night last night. And I had to do just a couple of little things here at the building. <clears throat> it's not often I get to be in this building alone because there's people here continuously pretty much every day of the week. Uh, but I was here all alone. It was actually when I was pulling in to the parking lot, I felt in the spirit just a sense that we can do this. Uh, it was like a word from the Lord. We can do this. And it wasn't until I heard that, in order for you to understand the impact of it, like once I heard it, I'm like, you know what? We can do this. We can do this. And there's just an encouragement came. And I, I, don't, I, I wasn't even aware that I was feeling a little discouraged until I heard that word of encouragement. And I realized, oh, wow, you know, we really can do it. And what I mean by we, what I felt what the Lord was communicating and, and, and encouraged me with is that, you know, we can fulfill our call as a church. It's not, not just that we can do Serve Sunday. <laughs> we can get enough volunteers for this next year. Yeah, I'm confident we can do that. But as a church, we can do what God's called us to do. And we can reach this community. And, and we can be a significant influence in our, in our day and make a difference in, in our generation. And uh, even like recently, we've added 50 chairs. And in one way, that's a big step for us as a church. We've, we're expanding. We're believing God to, to fill you know, two services, 50 extra chairs. We're, we're believing that we can grow by 100 people. Uh, and I'm hoping that happens within the next year. You know what? We can do that. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's close to 200,000 people within the 20-minute drive of, our, of where you're sitting right now that never go to church. At least 150,000. You know what? We can get 100 people uh, and, and uh, that need to hear what we have to share and need the, the type of uh, church that, that we are. So there's just an encouragement there. Um, and I think it ties in really well with what we're talking about on Serve Sundays. And, and the reason we're taking some time to talk about it is that we want to have a context um, for the value and a place of serving in a local congregation. Uh, we are, ready for this? We are a church. Yeah. I know, you know, doesn't look like a church, even though we have stained glass windows. <laughs> I tell other places, I, I'm a legitimate pastor. My church has stained glass windows. They're hanging from the ceiling on the inside, but they're stained glass windows. <laughs> All right, we're a church. <clears throat> but I want you to understand the context. In other words, what's, how, does, how does it fit into the big picture? And the value of, of being a servant in God's church. Last week we saw the vital aspect of, of being part of the body of Christ and how important it was as an individual member to be connected, to be functioning um, in Christ's body. This week we're going to look at an Old Testament uh, verse that addresses the same issue, which is Psalm 110, verse 1 through 3. I'm going to read it first in the King James, New King James. It says, A Psalm of David. <clears throat> uh, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. 
The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. So this is a psalm that King David penned. He wrote. It was a song that they sang in their worship services thousands and thousands of years ago. Um, This particular psalm uh, is a messianic uh, psalm. We're going to kind of go through these, just these few verses line by line. Uh, Verse 1, As the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So this is a messianic psalm. What's meant by that is that, um, you know, there's 150 psalms and there's many different types of psalms. One type of psalm is a messianic psalm, and that's a psalm uh, that specifically is prophetic referring to the coming Messiah. Uh, and, and there's many, many, most of the Messianic prophecies or many of the Messianic prophecies were Psalms. And so, you know, you have to picture King David wasn't thinking about Jesus Christ necessarily. He was inspired to write this psalm, but God anointed him so that that song captured the idea and the words that communicated to them and to generations since then truths about Jesus Christ, the Messiah that came thousands of years after. Isn't that amazing? And we still can look at the Psalms that were written a thousand years before Jesus and find out information about Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago. Kind of cool, isn't it? (coughs) Put that in your TARDIS and think about it. All right, sorry. little geek joke. So Jesus is referred. Jesus actually uses this uh, verse when he's talking with the Pharisees of proof that he is God, and, and you can read that in Matthew 22. Uh, he he put he uses this verse to show them <clears throat> that the Son of David is actually Lord uh, over David, and and kind of discusses that. The Father we see in this verse gives a place for Jesus as the Messiah. A special place for him, sitting at his right hand. And that's a place of authority, a place of intimacy, and a place of power. So it's very important to understand that the Father, and one thing that's kind of neat, and it's interesting to zero in and notice when you come across places in Scripture where you see the Father talking with the Son, or the Son with the Father, the Holy Spirit communicating with uh, uh, Jesus, you know, there's there's different places in scriptures, not a lot of them, that we kind of get an inside look at the communication and the dynamics within the Trinity. Huh. And this is one of them. The Lord said to my Lord, since the Lord God was speaking to His Son Jesus, and said, I I've got a place for you. All right. I'm going to put you in this place, in that place. I'm going to make your enemies your footstool. So this place of being at the right hand of the Father is a place of authority. Uh, Setting on the throne with Almighty God. There's no question. Everybody that walks into the room, and the room in this sense is the universe. (laughs) Well, the universe is in the room. (laughs) It would be more accurate. (laughs) Um, uh, sees Jesus sitting at the right hand as a place of authority. But it's also a place of intimacy. You know, when you're up, and I, I, I want, 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 
one way that I see this is actually in a wedding. And uh, only pastors and kind of kind of key into this, but there's there's a few moments in a, in a wedding ceremony where even though the building's filled with people, it's just the bride and groom and you, okay. you know, and you can whisper little things, you know, <laughs> uh, and it's it's a precious little. Uh, I've got a friend that has a name for it. I can't remember it, uh, but there's this precious little community there that the rest of the people aren't even aware of. <clears throat> and so here's Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I'm sure is there and and the Father and Jesus could look over and go, hey. Father, good turnout today. (laughs) Or son, don't worry about that enemy. We're going to take care of that. You know? And so there's intimacy, right? There's closeness. There's closeness of place and purpose. All right? And there's power. It's a place of power. He's sitting at his right hand. It's not striving. He's sitting in the seat of authority. So a place of authority, intimacy, and power. Till I make your foot, your enemies your footstool. So that is victory over every enemy. And what was intended for destruction became a resting place for Jesus' feet. So this is fulfilled in Jesus' life, but it's fulfilled in the kingdom. All right? Everything that the enemy intended to destroy Jesus ended up being a place where he could rest. And think about this. <clears throat> the, the, the ultimate thing that the enemy did and, and his, his big scheme and strategy was, was to kill Jesus. All right? Tried to kill him after he was born when Herod sent out and killed all of the children and the, the death of the innocents in, 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 in the area of Bethlehem. And that didn't work. And he, he tried all along. And then he finally gets Judas to betray him. And the, and the Romans uh, arrest him. And the, the chief priests be, uh, 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 set up an argument against him. And then he gets nailed to the cross. And he dies. And the enemy probably for a second thought that he won. And then he realized... It was that strategy that enables everyone who accepts Jesus to rest in victory. Do you see that? It was Jesus' death on the cross, which was intended for Jesus' destruction, was actually a place that allows uh, there to be peace because peace was made on the cross for you to accept Jesus Christ, for the, for the whole uh, 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 whole of mankind to be reconciled with Christ. Is that amazing or what? Alright? That that was something that we now rest on. You rest on the fact that Jesus paid your, the price for your sin because of the cross. And that's how God can take the strategy of the enemy <laughs> and turn it into a footstool. Something that you can stand on. Something you can rest on. Alright? Well, this prophecy was fulfilled in, in, in the life of Christ. And we read about this. Paul picks up on the same theme. He's, he's actually, I think, referring directly to this verse because of the, what he talks about. And he says, he's writing to the church in Ephesus, <clears throat> explaining to them their position in Christ. It says, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So talking about Jesus being the one that that prophecy back in Psalm referred to of being seated with God in his, on his right hand. So he accomplished that in the resurrection, seating Jesus on the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So in other words, Jesus is far above 
every foe, far above every enemy, every strategy, everything in this age and the age to come. There's no, 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 no um, comparison to the place where Jesus is setting and reigning from and all of his foes. It says, and he put all things under his feet, footstool, under his feet, uh, and gave him to be had, him, Jesus, to be had over all things, everything, to the church, all right, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, a lot of times we think of the church as Christ's body, and we just instantly uh, fall into churchology, you know, what do they call it, Christianese, you know, it's just like, well, it doesn't really mean anything anymore because we say it so much. But think for a minute, you know, can you be somewhere where your body isn't? When's the last time your body was somewhere where you weren't? Well, there may be some exceptions to that. (laughs) You may feel like your body is somewhere that you're not. Are you hearing me? Yeah, All right. So when it says that he that the church is his body, that means that now get this. Hard to understand. You're his body. In the same way, now why would Paul use this confusing reference? Because everybody that's reading this has a body. Do you have a body? Is there anyone here without a body? They're quiet. Because <laughs> they don't have a tongue. <laughs> Alright? So, this is something you can understand. Because you have a body. And where your body is, that's where you are. And you use your body to extend your influence. To demonstrate who you are. It's how you interact with people. It's how you communicate your message, your preferences. Your body is the, the way you interact with your environment, with the people you love. All right? Well, that's who we are to Christ. We are His body. We are His representation in the earth. So where you are, Christ is. All right? And where Christ is, His body is. There is a direct link. And as being part of His body, we then... <clears throat> share in his authority and his power um it's fulfilled in us and it, paul goes on and explains this a little bit more and later in uh in ephesians and i'm going to read from the new living translations for this section it says but god is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much uh, that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised christ from the dead it is only by god's grace that you have been saved for he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Slam on the brakes. Think about that. He raised us with Christ. He raised Dan, Seer, with Christ. He raised Cameron Wright with Christ. And seated us, Dan and Cameron, just me and you, <laughs> we are the real church. <laughs> okay, your wife, my wife, my kids, your kids. Pretty soon we'll have the world. <laughs> that is the plan. That is the plan. <laughs> and seated us with him. <clears throat> so we are risen and seated. Now, 
this is, this is a stretch. Okay? But the Bible is true, right? We believe this? So we know that we will experience a resurrection when Jesus returns, a literal physical resurrection. Our dead body will be restored to life. We will be embodied again, and we will live eternally with Christ. But the Bible says we experience this now in a very real way. And we need to experience this now. We need to understand that we are risen. In Christ's resurrection, I was risen from the dead. I share in that, and I am seated with Him. It's not something that happened just to Christ. It's something that happened to me when I'm in Christ. So we sit in the same place, based on this verse, based on this understanding, we sit in the same place of authority, intimacy, and power. You do. You do. You're sitting there right now. But you go, no, I'm sitting in a chair in, 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 in this building on Nichols Road in Kalamazoo. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, an, that's from this world perspective. But if, if you put on your God glasses, not your Google glasses, you know, then you would see, whoa, wait a minute. That's a whole different perspective. Right? But see, if you don't believe that, then you're just going to be sitting in a blue chair in a blue building or whatever color building this is. I don't know. Are you hearing me? Even though you're really seated in heavenly places, you're not going to live that way. Uh, and if you don't believe that, then you're not going to experience that intimacy with the Father. Just like Jesus, you can go, hey, Father. You know, yeah, son, the daughter. Hey, Dad, I was, I was kind of worried about. Hey, dude, I got that covered. Oh, thanks, Dad. You know, intimacy, power, enemy coming. <laughs> You're so far above them. Dad, look at those, look at those num- knuckleheads down there. Jeez, they can't even reach me. They sure are trying hard. <laughs> are you hearing me? <clears throat> All right, it's fulfilled in us. Colossians 3.3, 3, you died in this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. That is a reality. That is a truth. That means that uh, every part of you that is united with Christ and hidden with Christ in God is untouchable by the enemy. You are untouchable. Say, I am, I am. Untouchable. untouchable. See, that is the truth. Amen. Okay? Every part of you. The problem is that sometimes parts of us pop out. We're in Christ. But sometimes parts of us go, oh, that's part of my old life over there. Hi, Dad. You know, kids try to sneak something while you're in the room. <laughs> I just go, hey, you, know, you walk around, they, they <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> they hide their iPod. <laughs> I'm like, dude, don't even try it. <laughs> you know, uh, so when we when we allow parts of us to get outside of Christ, then we become exposed to what? Yeah. To the enemy yeah. and the strategies. Yeah, uh, and that's not good. But we don't have to, and, and, and we don't need to. And when we realize who, where we are, we wouldn't want to. So that means that when you rest, when you sit in the place, when you just sit and rest in that place where God's positioned you, you rest in the authority, the intimacy, and the power. Whatever the enemy intends for your destruction, just like Jesus, it will end up being a place of rest for you. It will end up being a place where you can put your feet and go, God triumphed through that in my life. Amen? All right, so verse 2. <clears throat> All that to get through the verse. First one of that. Uh, the Lord shall... Whoa, glory. 
Hang on. That's weird. That's never happened before. It's just me. It's just receiver. The Lord uh, shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Okay, Zion in this context is a messianic psalm, so it doesn't refer merely to the Old Testament Zion, which was a literal city, the city of David, a physical place. You can actually still go there. Uh, and because it's referred to in the messianic uh, prophecy, it, it refers to the Zion of the Messiah. Um, and we read about that in Hebrews 12, verse 22. It says, you have come, the writer of Hebrews is addressing the Hebrews, that's why the book is called Hebrews, uh, is because it's written to Hebrews to help them understand how the Old Covenant integrates with the New Covenant, or maybe better, how the New Covenant fulfills everything that was written in the Old Covenant, that it's one story, and it centers in that, and, it, and he's dealing with this issue about you haven't come to Mount Sinai, the giving of the law, where there is fear and dread and death, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. All right? He's describing where Christians have come to. This is our present state. There are an innumerable number of angels round about. Okay? Think about that for a while. Verse 23, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Ah! <gasps> The church. This is a description, a New Testament description of the church. And, uh, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Okay? Uh, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. So the messianic Zion is the church, all right? Uh, out of which comes the strength and the rule of Christ. Uh, God is using the church to demonstrate His rule and reign. I'm going to get that a little more in just a minute. God's intent, I guess right now we're going to get to it. (laughs) God's intent, therefore, is to demonstrate His power through you. Because we're Zion. We're the church. okay, And we're seated with Christ. Uh, You and I, and every Christ follower on planet Earth, that's His uh, intention. That's why we exist. And in fact, Paul, again, uh, even further on in Ephesians, says, now the manifold wisdom of God, the, the many-faceted wisdom of God, might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Wow! God chose in His infinite wisdom to put together this ragtag collection of misfits Okay, they have a hard time just getting along together. There's over 350 different Baptist denominations alone in the U.S. That's just the Baptists. (laughs) I'm like, God, are you crazy? We can't get three Christians in a room to agree together for more than 30 minutes. You know. And God says, I know, it's great. I'm going to use them to destroy every strategy of the enemy. And he's so brilliant. I made him one of the most brilliant creatures. He chose to be proud. And all of his brilliant strategies are just going to be worthless against his ragtag army. And they're going to be glorious. That's you and me. That's the church. 
And so when people point out the problems of the church, just go, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. It's amazing anything you get done. But here we are 2,000 years later after, you know, communists, communists threw out all the Christians in China. For, for 50 years, everybody thought the church was dead. Finally, we got sneaked back in, and it's 10, 100 times bigger than it was when all the missionaries were kicked out. Oh, same thing in the Soviet Union. Happening right now in, in Iran. There is revival going on. Revival going on. I've talked to people who've been there. They go, it's crazy. People getting saved just on the streets. Just revival's happening. You know, Egypt, same thing. Incredible outpouring in Egypt right now. So, <clears throat> so it's, the, it's the wisdom of God being, being revealed. Through, the message puts it this way. Through Christians like yourself gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. And this is the deal. This is the way it's happened for 2,000 years. People get saved. They get in a community of, of faith and they join together for worship, for teaching, and for communion and fellowship. That's the church. So this is what the church looks like in America. There's every kind of expression of churches, giant churches, little churches, house churches, medium-sized churches. It doesn't matter. It's the church in all of its variety that God uses to fulfill His plan. <clears throat> so here we see a direct link between being in Christ at the right hand of the Father and being joined to a church. You're in a church now, right? And experiencing the rod of Christ's strength and the ruling in the midst of the enemy. That's what I wanted this whole sermon to kind of tie together these three ideas, the importance of all three. And this is not going to be fulfilled in heaven. This is not a prophecy. This is not something that's going to be fulfilled in heaven. You know why? Because there are no enemies in heaven. They've all been dumped in the lake of fire. Okay? Uh, This has to be fulfilled now. Right now in our lives. We have to step in. If we don't step into this now, when we get to heaven, everybody else will go, hey, where were you in the fight? Oh, I was hiding. Uh, You might want to go talk to the Master about that. Is that hard? Is that a little heavy? (laughs) We're in the fight now. This is it. Okay, verse 3. Your people shall be volunteers in, day, in the day of your power. In the beauty of holiness, from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. Talking about the Messiah. These are characteristics about the Messianic kingdom. It's a characteristic about the church. All right? And this word, volunteers, <clears throat> your people shall be volunteers, which is a Hebrew word. I'm going to pronounce it M. Nidaboth or Nidabooth. Nidaboth. You need a both. You don't need one, you need a both. <laughs> you could have the one or you could have the other, but you need a both. <laughs> I give them to you two for one. <laughs> Sorry, just having fun. <laughs> uh, uh, Clark's got a great commentary on this. Graham actually came up to me after first service because he knows Hebrew and Greek. <clears throat> and he says, there's even more to that. And uh, this idea of volunteers, you know how in the Old Testament there's, there's required offerings and there's, then there's free will offerings all the way through the Old Testament? A free will offering was just because of the, they were motivated, they were blessed in some way, and they wanted to give God something extra to show, uh, what, uh, uh, how to show gratitude. Well, this actually, that idea is that the people would be the free will offering, that they would not offer a goat or a lamb, but they would offer themselves. 
Okay? And so you're giving yourself. Uh, you know, and that ties in with Romans that, uh, you know, we are living sacrifices. But I like what Clark said about 150 years ago when he wrote this. He said, your people shall be volunteers. Uh, this term is the people of liberality. God does want you to be a liberal in this sense. <laughs> okay? Of liberality. The princely, noble, and generous people. Christ's real subjects. His own children who form His church are the salt of the world and the, uh, the, the bountiful people who live only to get good from God that they may do good to man. Wow! <clears throat> well, may the followers of Christ be termed the M... Need both. Uh, the cheerfully beneficent people. Cheerfully beneficent. They hear His call. Come freely. Stay willingly. Act nobly. Live purely. And ob- obey cheerfully. Wow! That is the prophetic description over who you are. That's who you are. Believe it. Live it. Experience it. The day of Christ's power is the time of the Gospel. The reign of the Holy Spirit in the souls of His people. In other words, this is happening right now, folks. Whenever and wherever the Gospel is preached in sincerity and purity, then and there is the day or time of Christ's power. That's when it's supposed to happen. So you see the link between giving yourself, being a volunteer, and stepping into or resting into or living in Christ's strength and Christ's power. You know, it's kind of like a prayer and revival. Um, uh, you know, some people think, well, <clears throat> if the church could just get together and pray and, and start preaching the gospel, then we'd see revival. And the other fact is, you know, if the church got together and was praying together and seeing, seeing salvations, that actually is the result of revival. Revival happens, you know. So which comes first? And uh, actually, we don't know. All we know is that there's a direct link. That when churches come together, when Christians come together and, and spend intense times in, in, in seeking God and, and praying and, and salvation begin to happen, that's what we call revival. Um, and when revival hits, that's what happens. When that happens, then we call it revival. Does that make sense? It's kind of like when Christ's power is revealed, people will willingly volunteer. Or when people willingly volunteer, Christ's power is being revealed. All right? They're connected together. So when you give yourself to Christ, <clears throat> willingly give yourself, being uh, all the attributes that Clark describes, you gain access. You put on your suit of armor, as it were. You put on the, the Christ power, the authority, and the rest, the intimacy. Giving is both the result and the cause of revealing Christ's power. So if you want more of Christ's power in your life, give yourself. Be a volunteer. Okay? You might say, boy, he's making a grandiose pitch on doing children's ministry. But I believe this to the core of my soul. Alright? I really, really do. And whether it's serving, and, and I actually believe this in the context of the local congregation because of everything I've said up to this point today. Serving in other areas, outreach is part of, of, of a local church. Serving in uh, missions, we have a team in Baltimore right now. Uh, we're taking a team to Turkey. That's all part of the ministry of the local church. But it all, it's, all, it's all connected. It's all one and the same. Be the cheerful, beneficent people. Hear His call. Come freely. Stay willingly. Act noble. Uh, live purely. Obey cheerfully. When you do this as a church, each of us increases our ability to rule over our enemies and the whole congregation increases in our level of authority and power. 
But eat, the whole church is really dependent on each one individually choosing to do it. We're limited by uh, all of us working together. We can only get done uh, as much as when we all work together. <clears throat> Serve Sundays is just simply the uh, opportunity for us to apply this principle. Um, and so you can demonstrate your willingness, demonstrate Christ's power by signing up and then sticking to your commitment so we can make this church function at our full capacity. Bill and Mary Lee want to come up and share a few things. Come on up. And concerning um, serving. And we just want to turn the mic over to them. Bless them. I have a real heart for um, serving and to see each one of us serving because I just see so much value in each one of you. And you each have awesome things that God has given you. And they're all different. And it's all good. And it's all intended to bless the whole body. And so I'm just excited that we're all going to sign up and that together God gets to work through all of us and make all the awesome things about New Day happen to its fullest potential. And so um, I want you guys to say, I have something valuable to offer this body. I am valuable. And I think that's part of, you know, believing that, truly knowing I have something to offer that's needed and that's worth something is... Um, something we really have to believe before we can serve. And um, I want to encourage you that um, God, anything God gives us is freedom. You're free to live for him. You're free. Everything he does is freedom. You're free to give. You're free to serve. And that's what he spoke to me today is it's not this confining Oh, drudgery or something. It's like, no, you're free to serve. Where would you like, where would you like to serve, my child? You know, it's just like, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free and He has saved us unto freedom. So, there's freedom for you. And, um, I was also wanting to just say that there's no need to make it too complicated. Um, and think like, okay, which spiritual gift do I have? And how does that exactly fit? And well, that's not my spiritual gift, so I can't serve there. Now, spiritual gift tests are good, and that's beneficial, but I'm just saying, like, let's just make it not too complicated. Like, what are you good at? What has he given you? What are you talented with? Use that in whatever ministry you could serve in. And um, let's say you're gifted musically. You could serve on the worship team, or you could serve in kids' church and, you know, write a song for their memory verse. Or teach them a song that has to do with their verse. I mean, bring your giftings to whatever ministry you're in. Are you artistically gifted? You could, you know, serve on the amazing prophetic art team. Or you could serve in kids' church and draw them a picture of their Bible lesson as you're teaching it to them. Just bring what you have, and it'll be so good. Are you a prayer warrior? Serve on the prayer team. That would be great. Or serve in nursery and pray over the babies while you're rocking them. You know, just use whatever you have wherever you are. Um, don't wait until conditions have to be just so or just perfect before I'll serve. That's not what it's all about. And, um, you know, if you're a leader, um, but there's nothing that you're leading right now, 
just be a really good follower because the best leaders know how to be good followers. So you're actually going to grow in leadership by being a good follower. And you might lead something later. What? Oh. And my other example that I can't skip over is, um, <laughs> are, you, <laughs> are you gifted prophetically? Um, serve on the prophetic team. There's a need for that, and that's awesome. Or use your prophetic gifting in one of the other ministries. Take fusion. And, and, you know, when you're meeting someone, let God speak to your heart about who that person needs to connect with. Who could they be a friend with? Or, you know, listen to God's voice for them today. What's an encouraging word you can give them? Use your gift in whatever capacity. Um, and um, so I encourage you guys, when you're taking your card back there, to first hover it over kids' ministry and nursery and just kind of think about that for a while and say, what do I have that I could put into those kids? Am I really fun? Do I have a lot of energy? I can give them that. Am I um, someone who's really good at details and organization? That's great. Serve in the kids' ministry. Get the classrooms ready. That's one of the roles. Get the classrooms ready so the teachers can just come and teach. That's so needed and valuable, too. So just kind of hover that for a while and think if if that could, and then, you know, just stick it on there after, after you hover it for a while. Um, if you're um, busy and you're, like, kind of feeling overwhelmed by the thought of, I've got to sign up for something, I don't really want to add anything new into my life right now, but I realize I should participate um, and do what Cameron's talking about. Well, I would encourage you to sign up for something that's not going to require a lot of outside commitment. That, you know, don't sign up for the worship team because you've got practice and you come early for rehearsal. You know what I mean? So sign up for something that you can just do when you're here anyway because you're coming to church anyway. Um, also want to encourage you to serve with a friend or a, your spouse or a teenage child. There's something really cool about serving with someone. Your relationship will grow. Bill and I have done a lot together, and it's really been a cool way for our relationship to grow together. And I think that was everything, but my thing won't scroll. So, Yep. Yeah, so um, Marilee's passionate about seeing people get plugged in where where they have gifts and things. So I just want to encourage you over the next couple weeks during Surf Sunday sign-ups just to talk to her because this stuff is in her. Everything she said is stuff that I've heard a lot because, you know, it's part of who Marilee is. And she's really good at connecting people to um, other people and places to serve. So Use this great resource God has given New Day during the next couple of weeks and check her out. We're normally first service people, so come to intersection time and find her then um, or today. So I was going to just share with you something I learned, kind of a parallel to the Serve Sunday thing that I learned. Um, it's kind of a perspective shifting thing for me. Anyways, but it came up, I'm, I like to run a lot, and it came up while running. Marilee and I were running a race together, a fairly long race, and um, I had run longer before, but I found myself kind of like 
checking the time since the last time I checked the time and calculating how much longer it would be till we finished and that sort of thing. And have we made it as far as I expected to make and all of that sort of thing that you kind of do when you just want it to be over. <laughs> right. If you've ever run pretty far, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, and so I either picked up the phrase somewhere or coined the phrase and we started talking about it and this idea of I just need to submit to the task before me while we're out here. You know what I mean? You just kind of like settle in. I'm going to be out here running for a really long time still. And if I just make my peace with that, something happens, something changes. You start having fun. I start realizing all the benefits that I was ignoring before because I just felt tired. And like, oh, I'm out here with my wife. We have this uninterrupted conversation for a couple of hours. That never happens. We have young kids. <laughs> we live busy lives. This is a benefit. You know, I start seeing that benefit when this per- perspective shift happened. You know, I'm like, I'm getting really good exercise. These trails are beautiful. The scenery is awesome. And I'm just having fun. <laughs> All of these things start kind of coming out when when I just submitted myself to the task and just made my peace with the fact that I'm going to be running for a really long time. And so I think there is a spiritual parallel whenever... You know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be served Sundays, but it certainly can apply. Whenever you're doing something and you're just wondering when is this going to be done or you're looking forward at something that you have to do and you're like, I just don't want to do that thing. It's funny when you just give yourself to it and say, God, you're a good God. The things you put before me are good. You work all things together for the good of those who love you and I love you. So I'm going to submit myself to this thing. And make my peace with it. All of a sudden, the bad stuff that I was focused on just melts away. Time flies. I start having fun. And all the benefits come out. So it's really, really good. And just something to chew on as you're thinking about serving. So be encouraged. Sign up. I did this morning in first service. And I hope you do too. All right. Thanks. Thank you for that. We really appreciate that you've done so much work and that you do know what's going on. And Tori's done a lot of getting it organized. I'm sorry. 